We're just rejoicing in all that God's doing, yeah? Amen? How many of you have had some breakthrough in your life this week, some kind of an answer to prayer or something? Hand up really high. One, two. Come on, look at this. 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 Okay, so listen, uh, next week we're going to pull the cross out. We're going to set up the cross. And uh, when it comes to that question right there, uh, we're going to run around and just hand out some testimony cards. And we're going to open the sermon next Sunday with just some testimonies, uh, just talking about what God's doing because there's so many uh, deliverances going on. There's so many healings going on. There are so, fact is, I, I want you to do that again. All of you that had some kind of a breakthrough or answer to prayer, this week put up your hand again. And just look around at this. Do you realize, just look around at that. Hands, keep, keep your hands up. Oh, you guys got like the mo- the largest offer in the planet on your house and you don't have a hand up? I mean, come on. What is up with this, huh? Hands up again. Look around. Look around. Look around. I would venture to say if I would have asked that question even six months ago, there would have been about three hands. Do you realize how much things are shifting? Do you realize how much you're a part of that shift? You're a part of a shift. There's an activation going on in our midst that's crazy. There's an activation. This, this is not just like consumer church, uh, 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 you know what I'm saying? This is, we are the church. God's doing something amazing with us. We're we're, I mean, if you just look at that right there, and I just know that about uh, there were like 10 or 15 more that didn't raise their hands. Because this morning, just as they came in, the battery on their arm stopped working. And so, so that, I mean, just, wow. Yeah? That's a wow. That's a Wow. How many things God is doing? Lord, we just say more, Lord. We just we partner with you. Lord, we partner not to be hearers only, but to be doers of the word. Come on, would you just say that over yourself? I'm a doer of the word. I'm walking in the miracles of Jesus. I'm walking in the, the breakthroughs of Jesus. Just say that over yourself. I'm walking in the victories of Jesus. I'm partnering with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, that's my life. That's my life. That's my life. Partnering with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, yeah. It's happening. It's happening. Amen? Uh, we've been talking about, we, we launched a series uh, on Easter, uh, and uh, I, I don't know that the series and the graphics really work, but Mrs. Wolf said I had to wind Remember that? I had to wind the title into the message. So Jehovah Sneaky came in, and we'd just been working it. So, so we, start, we, start, we started on Easter Sunday talking about, you know, overcoming pain, and not just pain of the body, right, but pain of the soul. Anybody ever had some pain of soul? Soul pain. So we've been talking about that, and... Uh, then uh, a couple weeks in, we introduced some thoughts about theology, and we started just talking a little bit about uh, a, the New Horizon way, but it's not just the New Horizon way. There's, there's, there's a theological atmosphere for this, so 
uh, half of the believer, you know, half of the, maybe half of the church kingdom of God, large C, uh, uh, maybe fall under the influence of Calvinism, and then maybe another half fall under the influence of Arminianism. And so we talked a little bit about that, and I introduced that to you, and I I introduced it on the screens, and I called it Option A, Theology, and Option B, Theology. So after that message, it was a couple weeks ago, before Grant Berry came and talked to us about One New Man last week, uh, I, some of you came and said you want that. So we have it printed for you. So, so if you want that, uh, Option A, Option B, I chose Option B, Theology, just to be humble and just... So we're actually, New Hor- I'm kidding, but New Horizon, on this, on this sheet of paper, op- uh, New Horizon is actually option B, for the option B people, all right? So uh, maybe we should be option A, but anyway, if you want that, put up a hand, though, and they'll bring you one. Uh, so it just kind of runs down through uh, some of our perspective and thinking on, uh, on our interaction with God and uh, I introduced to with you some thoughts that that God is God is working the bad to the good, and that that God is not the author of bad. In fact, as he said something interesting in the parable of the sower, he said that persecution arises because of the word. So when you have a, a breakthrough relationship with God, you have an organic, a born-again, a rhema, a relationship, a word relationship with God, you're hearing from God, then how many of you know, you've learned this already, the enemy does not like that? How many of you learned you have an enemy, and the enemy does not like that? Yeah? And of course, it contradicts, uh, that word from God contradicts the curse uh, uh, it, it contradicts uh, the enemy, it contradicts uh, entropy that's at work in the earth, it, it contradicts so, there's so much uh, that now that word is really, I mean, just, just getting uh, born of the Spirit, which is born of the Word, by the way, First Peter 1, right? Just getting born of the Word, born of the Spirit, positions you on the other side of the line where now you're going to feel opposition you didn't feel. Instantly, you're going to feel some opposition you didn't feel because now once you're on the other side of the enemy's line. So you've entered in immediately. You've entered into contention uh, and warfare and kind of a, a dimension of resistance, right, with the enemy. So that's, that's why you feel some of this. So uh, Christians going through bad stuff uh, doesn't mean that God has intended bad for you. Is that all right? So, and we've been introducing the thought that, that God is so cool. He's so amazing. He's so big. He's so, I mean, he's just so multifaceted uh, in his intervention that as we position our hearts with faith toward his word, with faith toward what he's said over us, what he's declared over us, what he's shown us, uh, the dream he's given us, even the born-again word, even the born-again word, born of the Word, born of the Spirit, then what happens is, as we do that, He begins to work even the bad toward the good. Do you remember that? 
Do you believe that? How many have any bad in your history? Good, okay, that's good, that's good, yeah, amen. Let's go to Genesis 45, because uh, we went to Joseph, and I want to read out of Joseph a little bit, um, and we're, we're going to work this a little bit, and we're going somewhere with this. Uh, uh, we're actually, we actually are going to launch what I feel is an activation in this church, uh, and this activation uh, starts uh, 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 with the way we talk. Uh, and uh, just a uh, fresh boldness. Everybody say boldness. Genesis 45, 3. Genesis 45, 3. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. So they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now... Do not, therefore, be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest, and God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. I want you to see three things here real quick. This is, this is so good. Uh, and we, we talked a little bit ha- about how that we don't believe option, a, option B theology. We don't believe that it, was, that it was God that caused the brothers to hate Joseph. We don't believe it was God that caused the brothers to throw him in a pit. We don't believe it was God that caused him to be sold to the Midianites and then taken down to Potiphar's house. And then it was God that caused Potiphar's wife to rise up against him with a false accusation. We believe this was the enemy seeing that word over his life. The enemy heard that dream that he talked about, and the enemy had been scheming since the promise came to Abraham. The promise came to Abraham. The enemy had been scheming about this land that Abraham was promised. And here's the great-great-grandson of Abraham, and here's the favored one. Here's the one with the coat of many colors. Here's the one that's loved. Here's the one that's considered royalty. Here's the one that's set apart. This is the one to kill. This is the one to take out. And by the way, he thinks that about you right now. You're the royal line. You're the royal lineage. You're the one to take out. And so I want you to see three things real quick. Joseph gave God glory for moving in the midst of all these negative circumstances toward a victorious end. I I really like that because... uh, 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 he didn't really talk about the enemy. He just, like, God was in the midst of all of this. It's God that got me here. It, it, and it, it really it wasn't about for Joseph at that moment as he reconciles with his brothers and he recognizes now God's plan because he's had a little, he's had a few weeks, maybe months to process this because they showed up once and got some stuff and he sent them back and now they're showing up again and he's, he's got some time to process this and he's recognizing, oh my goodness, this has been God's plan all along. Here's my own brothers. Here's my family coming down for grain. And God, God has done this that he might bless. Oh, my word, look, look what God's done. I'm not just the associate, the assistant to Pharaoh for no reason. 
God has worked something out in the midst of all of these circumstances. So I love this. I love this, that Joseph gave God glory for moving in the midst of all of his circumstances toward a victorious end. In the midst of our circumstances, we have to be careful because in the midst of negative circumstances, we have a tendency to magnify or amplify the work of the enemy too much. And, and, and I really don't think we should brag on him. I really don't. We, I don't I, the more, fact is, last week when, when the projectors went out, I just kind of felt this little check in my spirit to don't say anything about the enemy cause your projectors to go out. Technical difficulties do arise. Let's not amplify anything negative or shift the negative things to amplify more than necessary some work of the demonic realm. Let's keep giving God glory. Let's keep giving God glory. Let's, let's keep lifting him up. Oh, he's amazing. Yes? Number two, Joseph saw God's purpose and desire to preserve Israel, Jacob, his father, through a famine as the purpose of his royalty and the princely calling on his life. When favor is landing on you and you move into a place of favor and you see a shift of favor, it's interesting, David did this too, and it's recorded in 1 Samuel 15. When you notice that favors come on you and it's moved you into something, it's so cool when you recognize, oh my goodness, God's done this for something bigger than me. God's done this as a kingdom setup. This is a kingdom setup. God has done this that I can influence, that I can love, that I can reach, that I can minister to, that I can care for, that I can restore. It's so important that at any juncture of favor, when we arrive at a place of favor and we see ourselves at that place, we recognize God did this for something bigger than me. Who am I supposed to touch right now? Who am I supposed to love right now? Who's in front of me? Who's before me? Who's in my audience, my circle of influence? Number three, Joseph was not bitter and held no animosity toward God. Because the purpose of God finally did come to pass. The dream he was given did actually come to pass. So he did not hold on to the grief or the suffering that was a part of the process with the brothers or with God. This is super important that we're constantly adjusting our heart in the midst of circumstance, in the midst of stuff that's going sideways. We want to constantly be adjusting our heart so that we're not twisting and getting this negative thing. I, I don't know why he's allowing this. And I don't know why this is going on. And I'm a little upset with it, to be honest with you. And I don't know who he thinks he is. And I wouldn't do it this way. And it's just, it's, this is not, we want to constantly be shifting our heart toward this. Oh God, I, I might not know, but I know you've got it covered. I know you're bringing it to pass. I know it's going to happen. I don't, I'm kind of in a rough spot right now. We're in a valley facing off with Goliath, but it's going to be okay. You're going to get me through this. He's big. He's bad. He's ugly. He's hairy and he hasn't shaved, but I, you're going to get me through this. So somehow, somehow you're going to work this out. You're, you're going to turn this thing around, Lord. You're going to turn this thing around, Lord. You're going to, and we got to, we got to shed bitterness and frustration, not just with the brothers, those that are being used to harass or persecute or harm, or, but also with God. We've got to keep our heart right with God. Yes? Now, I want to shift. I want to go to Revelation 12, 9. 
I think with so many of these patriarchs, and I was thinking this morning about Daniel, and oh my goodness, I went and I was reading about Daniel 3 uh, coming into this weekend and thinking about the three Hebrew, we call them children, but um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel, and uh, Daniel, we know, you know some of the things that he endured, and yet God bailed him out, right? Uh, and so I'm thinking that it's the word of these guys' testimony. It's the word of their testimony. That's why I want to just bring a little emphasis to testimony. And I love that, that uh, so many of you had an, an expression of, yeah, there's a little testimony action going on in my life. I, I love that. I, I believe this is a shift for us. And we're going to enter into an activation of a shift where we begin to where we begin to make some noise about what God is up to. We begin to make some noise. We begin to activate this little machine on the front of our face. Uh, and I'm telling you, it's going to work to give us some crazy breakthrough. Listening to uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, we've had him at the church before. Uh, many of you know I love Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and so... Uh, he was talking about how uh, it's so important that you talk. He, he said that the most important key that has been discovered and yet is still uh, known uh, throughout, be it psychological community or the sales community or success community, uh, is your ability to talk. That actually your mouth controls your future and your ability to phrase, to talk, to describe, to share, to sell, uh, to lead, uh, your ability to have a fearless expression, a bold expression without turning bright red, getting all the cotton in your mouth and, you know, all of your butterflies shutting you down and your bowel getting a little nervous and Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You get clammy hands, and your ability to break through in that realm is so powerful, is so important. So he says even when you read a book, read out loud. When you read a book, read out loud. Hear yourself talking. Get happy, get familiar, get, and, and hear yourself pronouncing those words and practicing. And, and he says it's huge, right? Get Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, he wasn't a deliverance minister. How to Win Friends and Influence People. You know the books that he wrote, and this guy back in the 40s, whatever it was, and still million-seller books and training all over the world. He says the number one thing to overcome fear, this is not a deliverance minister, is talking, public speech, public speaking. Start talking. Now we go to Revelation 12.9, and this is interesting because we get to Revelation 12.9 in verses following. It says, the dragon Satan was thrown out, the serpent of old called the devil who deceives the whole world. There's this shout in heaven, now salvation and power and the glory of our, of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. The accuser has been thrown down, he who accuses them before God day and night, and they of whom he's been thrown down to, and they overcame because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life even when faced with death. 
Now, by the way, I think point number three right there is interconnected to point number two. If you love, if you cherish, that is, if you are concerned about your life and what people think about you and you're trying to hang on to your life, it'll shut down that free, bold expression of words. But if you already died and you're already just living this resurrected life anyway, I mean, we're already on lease, right? I mean, we, we already die. I, I'm already dead. We're already dead people. So the life that I now live is a resurrected life. The life that I now live, I'm, all, I'm on a, a heaven, a lease from heaven. This is a brand new, I shouldn't be worried about my reputation. I shouldn't be worried about, you follow what I'm saying? That doesn't mean you don't shower. I don't mean that. That doesn't mean you don't pay your bills. But the reputation of needing the approval of those that are unsaved or those that are backslidden or those that are pious or those that are uh, 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 unbelieving, I don't need their approval. I want to shift their approval to approve of God. I'm a minister of reconciliation, and my testimony of the goodness of God has the power to shift their hearts toward the goodness of God as well. Your testimony has power, not just the power to overcome the enemy, not just the power to send the enemy packing, but the power to shift mindsets, atmospheres, environments, family, people around you. Your testimony is powerful. And I believe it's the, it's the thing that those like Joseph, those like Daniel entered into, that they held fast their testimony. In the face of, well, well, we're going to heat up the furnace, uh, and you boys are going to have to go in the furnace. All right, well, our God's able to deliver us. And if, even if he doesn't, we still love our God. We're not going to forsake our God. We're not bowing down. He's able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, you know what? We'll, we will be happy french fries. I mean, we, we're, we're going to be happy critters. It's all right with us. Throw us in. And all at once, there's four guys in the fire instead of three. Why? It was the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. Where's testimony come from? We get from it also the word test, and it's, a, it, it's actually etymology. It comes out of a French, uh, so our word, test, testimony, comes out of a French uh, uh, history uh, uh, origination. Uh, and from it, I was thinking about this, from it we get uh, things like test tube, right? So um, I'm sure that Caleb could help me with the sermon this morning a little bit, chemical engineering. But nonetheless, this is where things are tested, right? Things are heated up and things are tested. Where we get the word test is actually the word test was a vial or a container, an earthen pot or some container wherein it was heated and metals were tried. Metals were refined. Metals were perfected. In other words, the true depth of the character of something, whatever we put in that vessel that we call a test, once, whatever we put in that vessel, the true nature of that will come out under heat. This is how we get a testimony. How do you act under heat? What are you like when heat is on, what, right? What, what happens with your life when there's, when there's heat, maybe when there's good chemical engineering, heat and pressure, right? What happens with your life? What comes out? And, and, and what we are finding, what we're discovering is that miracles come out and love comes out 
and joy comes out, and patience comes out, and victory comes out, and another breakthrough comes out, and some deliverance comes out. And what's popping out of us as the enemy's putting pressure on us, as life is putting pressure on us, as the curse is putting pressure on us, as things not coming to pass is putting pressure on us, we're thrown into a pit. Well, we're sold, we're sold a little cheaper than we thought. We thought. We thought we were worth that much a month, but now we're sold a little lower level. Well, what comes out of you when you're sold at a little lower level? You know, what did the Midianites have to pay for Joseph? You know, he's sold at a pretty low level. He's sold into slavery. That's pretty low. You're going to get room and board. That's it. We're going to feed you and, uh, and uh, let you go to the bathroom. All right? That's about it. But I'm worth more than that. Well, what comes out of you? In that kind of an atmosphere, in that kind of a container, in that kind of an atmosphere, what comes out of you? And the more we hang on to his word, and the more we meditate his word, cherish his word, what comes out of us is victory. And what comes out of us is a testimony. A testimony is an expression of the mouth under pressure. An expression of the mouth under pressure. How do you talk when you're under pressure? Because the way you talk under pressure will lead you into victory. It's an identification of your faith, and it will lead you into your next place of breakthrough. It will lead you out of the valley of Elah into the place of people singing about you. Right? Whoa! Saul's killed some folks, but, I mean, David's really done something. Well, I don't need people to sing about me. All right, we won't. But nonetheless, it's a good illustration. Pressure. Now, you know, the enemy is, the enemy, again, here we are. We've crossed over. We're on the other side of the enemy now. We've actually declared war. When you came to Jesus, you declared war on darkness. I did? Yes. Because you joined with Jesus. You joined the side of righteousness, and righteousness is meant to prevail over the earth and in the earth. So as you join on that side, now all at once, yeah, you're going to feel some pressure, and there's going to be some thing. And the enemy is seeking through that tension that is set forth to steal the word out of you. Steal the word out of you. Or silence the word. Have you ever been around somebody that they were talking really loud, but they didn't say a thing? Why? Because in an absence of speech, they were making their feelings known. And this is what I'm trying to share with you this morning, is that we as believers, we as Christians, we have a lot of absence of speech. But what in the world does that mean? Does it mean we're not really truly convinced? Where is that bold, audacious declaration that in the midst of whatever is happening, God is victorious. God will fulfill the expected end. God has this covered. God carries me. God covers me. God provides for me. Where is that declaration of the mouth in the midst of whatever's going on? Maybe it's in the midst of victory. Anybody in a victory? The proverb says a man will be tested by the praise he receives. Sometimes, even in the midst of victories, we have to find the testimony that will give us stability. And it's the testimony that gives glory to God, that gives us stability in the midst of victory. Is that all right? 
bold, audacious. I believe it's daily testimony, daily testimony, intentional. The more the pressure, the bolder the testimony. Here's some examples. Here's some examples. God will prevail. Come on, say it with me. God will prevail. God will get the victory. God's will can't be thwarted. You ever get worried about God's will? I mean, God's maybe giving you something. He's giving you a word or even just the salvation word, the saving word within you. And then, you know, stuff's happening and, and there's resistance and there's pressure and maybe maybe uh, even some veering off of where you need to be, and then you come back and you're feeling bad about all of that. But I'm telling you, God will complete what he's begun in you. Isn't that what Paul has declared? God will complete what he's begun in you. So, so that's, that's the testimony. The testimony. The declaration of what, what is found in this vial. What's found in this vial? What's discovered in this vial? I don't want to wait for testimony service. You know when testimony service starts? When your alarm clock goes off. How many of you were raised with testimony service? Really? That's all? Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Well, a lot of non-religious people here. That's a blessing. Okay, well, I mean, some of us were raised with testimony services, right? So, I mean, you know, you didn't, you didn't have a, t- a testimony was formalized, and you didn't have a testimony uh, until it was testimony service. And then when it was testimony service, then you had to suddenly think of one, and you couldn't think of one, so they would call on you anyway. You always, you always, the leader would always call on the guy who didn't have one. And you're just, your mind is going blank because it's testimony service. And suddenly you have to have a testimony. But I'm just saying this starts, you know, the testimony, the declaration of God's outcome for you, it starts when the alarm clock goes off. It starts when my feet hit the floor, right? God will work out his bigger purpose. God will put his enemies to shame. He loves doing that. God will bring good out of this. God will sabotage Satan's plans. God will work this out. Yeah? Let's go over to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 13. Malachi chapter 3, we know Malachi chapter 3. Oh, my goodness, we're going to close. Uh, I want the band to come up. Join me on the platform. Malachi chapter 3 uh, he says in verse 13, your words have been arrogant against me. And yet, says the, Lord, says the Lord, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? He says, you've said it is vain to serve the Lord, and what profit is it that we've kept his charge? And that we've walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts. So now we call the arrogant blessed, the doers of wickedness built up, they that test God and escape. But then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. This is crazy. I think that heaven is activated when we start intentionally talking about the goodness of God. 
When we start sharing with one another the goodness of God, it activates heaven. It stirs things up. In this case, it says a book of remembrances. I'm going to, what in the world? That's Bill? That was Jerry? That was Ryan? That was Dennis? Who Write those names down. A book of remembrance was written before him, and he starts taking note of those who begin to, in this atmosphere where others are saying, oh, God's not doing much for me. I don't know. I never get a prayer answered. I, I don't know. I don't know why I keep doing this Christian thing. I guess because it's pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. And, and in that kind of an atmosphere where some begin to talk differently, no, God is good. No, God works everything out. No, God helped me. You know what? God did this for them, and he's going to do it for me. And what God did, and I saw it over here, this couple in our small group, and they, and they couldn't get pregnant, and all at once they're having a breakthrough. And this one here, they couldn't get a house, and suddenly they're buying a house. And this one over here, they had a promise about this. And so that same God, I know he's helping me too, and he's going to bring this thing to an expected it in and he's going to bless me in that kind of an atmosphere god's taking notes he's like oh my goodness i'm going to write their name down i'm going to write their we're going to send something crazy upon those people and it says he heard it and it says that he declares over them they will be mine on the day i prepare my own possession i will spare them as a man spares his own son And you will once again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. In other words, I'm going to shift everything. If you're saying we can't tell the difference between the righteous and the wicked, watch out. There's a day coming. With those who fear my name and love me and believe I'm good, I'm going to raise them up. And there's going to be such a distinguishing differentiation. It's going to blow people away. You will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who doesn't. And then he goes on, the day is coming, and the evildoer will be chaffed. The day is coming. They'll be set ablaze. But for those who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On that day I'm preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Let's stand. There's two aspects to the power of your testimony. We overcome with our testimony. That is holding fast to the word of God in the midst of pressure. We overcome. The enemy will bow. The enemy will be pushed back. The enemy will be disheartened. The enemy will be discouraged. The enemy will be overpowered as we hold fast to the word that we've received. That's one aspect. But the other aspect is we overcome by the word of our testimony when we start declaring that overcoming grace into an atmosphere like this. We refuse to be silent. We just start amplifying. We start sharing. We start. It creates an overcoming environment. It creates a push the enemy back environment. It, it creates an impartation environment where we begin to, oh my goodness, if they did that for them, if they did that for them, if they did that for them, God is no respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. I'm going to put my faith in the same God that did that for them. And we begin to create this environment of miracles, of breakthroughs, of crazy victory because we are using our testimony now 
as like a battering ram against the enemy. It's like a battering ram against the enemy. It's not just something I'm going to hold on to when I'm under pressure. I'm going to purposely wield this now like a sword against the enemy. I'm going to let you know what God's been doing in my life. Because if I let you know, it's going to create an atmosphere of breakthrough in you. And I can shift atmospheres with a testimony. I can shift environments with a testimony. I can shift hearts with a testimony. That's why I won't be silent and I won't back down. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning.